John chapter 3, verse 16. The most famous verse in the whole of the Bible. Do you know it off by heart? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I know it best in the authorized version. It doesn't matter what version you know it, but in that verse you've got, in the words of Martin Luther, the Bible in miniature. We are in the middle of a conversation that the Lord Jesus is having with Nicodemus. Our series in John is Encounters with Jesus, people who've had a spiritual saving encounter with the Savior. Have you? That's what a Christian is. And it doesn't matter how it happens, Jesus deals with each one of us uniquely. But we must believe in Jesus Christ in order to be saved. And we see here the triune God at work. Jesus says to Nicodemus, unless you're born of the spirits, you can't be saved. Jesus says, as the serpent was lifted in the desert, the bronze snake, so must I be lifted on the cross. The sun is involved. And then what this verse talks about is the fountain of it all, the love of the Father. There is no tension between the heart of the Son, Jesus, and the heart of the Father. What Jesus did on the cross, yes, turns away the righteous anger of the Father, but Jesus isn't trying to uh, bargain with the hard-hearted Father. It was the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit in eternity past who planned this way of salvation. No one here should doubt the love of God towards them. So this love, and this is our theme, is a giving love. We're thinking of the gift of the Father. And we've looked at two things regarding this gift. So when you receive a gift, do you still receive presents? Yes, you do. Even grown-ups receive presents. What's the first thing you do? You look to see who it's from. And this gift is from God the Father. For so God loved the world. The next thing you do is look to see who it's to. Is it addressed to me? And who is this gift to? For God so loved the church. Well, he does love the church. And he loves the church with a special love. But that's not the emphasis here. That God so loved the world. And by world there, it means the system that is corrupt, anti-God, rebelling against him. Now, that's grace. The gospel of Jesus Christ is a gospel of grace. None of us deserve this love of God. Have you come here this morning thinking that you've somehow got to gain brownie points with God before you can know his love. That's not Christianity. That's religion. God loves the world in all of its ugliness and sin. So there's hope for you and for me. 
Now, this morning, we're going to look at the next thing. And in God's providence, last Sunday, instead of covering this point, I only managed to cover two. It's the romance of preaching. Uh, God allowed that. So this morning, we've only got one point to deal with. Then there's a fourth point, which is a whole sermon. And we're not going to do that this morning. So just one point. And so it might be a shorter sermon. But then, after we've sung the fourth hymn, I'll have a few words to say about communion as well. So we're going to have, in the sermon, the cross of Jesus Christ, the word. And we're going to have, in the communion, uh, the visual of the cross. So it's one theme this morning. Uh, Jesus' death on the cross. So what do you do when you receive a gift? You look to see who it's from. You look to see who it's to. And then you open it. And you look to see what it is. How expensive is it? Did it cost the person? That can be a measure of one's love, can't it? Let me give you an example. I've often used this as an example Christmas time. I've got some very kind parents, and I've never bought a car in my life because my parents, out of the abundance of their hearts, have given me a car. It started off as Ford's, a Ford Fiesta, but now it's a Volkswagen Polo. Now, that's a measure of their love to me as their son. How can I know if God the Father loves a sinner, a fake like me? Look at how expensive the gift is. Even a car is nothing in comparison to what God the Father has given us. In the original Greek, uh, that's the language that the New Testament is written in, this verse starts with not for, but so. So God loved this world that he gave this amazing gift. H have you ever wondered that this gift is so expensive? Uh, this is how one person puts it. God gives his very best to the very worst. Listen, my friend, you are much more sinful than you ever imagine yourself to be, right? I am as well. Uh, those of us who are uh, well brought up uh, and come to church, we think because we're not guilty of those outward flagrant sins, we must be all right. But the Bible condemns respectable sins far more. We are far more wicked, and I use that in its old-fashioned sense, than we ever imagine ourselves to be. But the other side of the coin is we are more loved than we've ever imagined. Where sin abounds, grace doesn't just abound, but super abounds. So even though you're more sinful than you ever imagined yourself to be, the love of God in Jesus Christ is more amazing than you will ever comprehend. So God has given his very best to the very worst. Let's look at this gift. His only begotten son. The Puritan John Flavel said, who would part with a son 
for the sake of his dearest friends. But God gave him to and delivered him for his enemies. O oh, love, inexpressible. Let me give you uh, an anecdote here. During the First World War, during the night, it was a cloudless night, the stars were out, a father was taking his young boy for a walk. And this boy noticed something, that on the windows of some of the houses was a star. And so he asked his father, Daddy, why are there stars in some of the windows? This was during the First World War. Do you know why? And his father said, that comes from this terrible war, laddie. It shows that those people have given a son. So each house that had a star had sent a son to fight on the front line. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings comes the gospel. This boy then said, looking at the sky, Daddy, God must have given his son too. Because there were stars out. And that's what God has done. He has given over his son in this spiritual warfare in order to defeat the power of Satan. God didn't send an angel. Yes, he did. But the angel was the announcer uh, of the birth of the Messiah. He sent the archangel, Gabriel, didn't he? To Joseph and to Mary. But they were just announcing it. God didn't just send a prophet. He did send a prophet. The greatest prophet, according to Jesus, John the Baptist. But he was just the forerunner preparing the way. God sent none other than his only begotten son. That story I gave puts new meaning, doesn't it, on the words, O oh Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the works thy hand hath made, I see the stars. And then the hymnist goes on, and when I think, have you ever thought this, that God his son, not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in the son. The son. Let me mention what we've already found to be the case about Jesus Christ, just in the Gospel of John so far. Who is the Son? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This eternal communion between Father and Son had never been broken. Never. And what was God doing now? He was sending this person. When you, uh, uh, you parents, when you're uh, uh, sending your children to school, it's as if a part of you is going, isn't it? And then when later on you have to say goodbye to them as they go to university, that's a wrench, isn't it? Imagine having to send your sons to war. But think of God who had had eternal fellowship with his son. Not just 13 15 years, eternity, and now he was giving him, giving him, delivering him unto death. He was giving his very heart. What else are we told about the Son? He is the creator of everything through him. Everything was made. 
He is the light, the true light of the world that lights everyone's hearts. He is the beloved. He is the one, uh, the bosom of the Father. Jesus Christ wasn't just with the Father in eternity. He was in the heart of the Father, in the very bosom of the Father. And this is what God is giving. We could go on. We could say that he is uh, the resurrection. What happened? In the words of Anne Griffiths, burying the great resurrection. That's what happened after Jesus was crucified and was put in a grave. Can you see what God is doing? He's giving his best. He's giving his very self. Any idea that God the Father is grudging in his love is not biblical. He lavishes this gift because he couldn't have given greater. He couldn't have given greater. And when we think that it wasn't just to come in order to be born and to live, but to die, in the words of the hymn again, and when I think that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in, that on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. There's only one response, isn't there? Wow. How great thou art. The verse for this week, I take this as confirmation that we are supposed to be looking at this truth. God commendeth his love toward us. Do you know what that word commends mean? God makes conspicuous, makes obvious his love toward us. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What's conspicuous? Um, in Cardiff, what's the most conspicuous landmark? Uh, in my flat, I can look out over Cardiff. It's a beautiful view, especially on a morning like this. Uh, the waters in the bay were calm this morning, and you can see they look like skyscrapers. They're not, but... They, they look uh, so tall, uh, the new buildings in the bay and then the newer developments in the centre of the city. And it's all reflected on the waterfront. What's the most conspicuous landmark? It's the stadium, isn't it? It doesn't matter where you come from, you can see the stadium. You can see it from Penarth, you can see it coming into Cardiff from the M4. You can see it from the summit of the Garth to the north of Cardiff. If you want to know where Cardiff is, all you have to look for is the stadium. If you want to look for proof of the love of God, especially in this ugly world, it's not beautiful. What's the proof of it? What's the landmark? What's conspicuous? Don't look within yourself because there is no hope there. There is no inner light. Don't look at humanity with our best intentions. We make a mess of things, don't we? I'm reminded after the First World War, wasn't there an effort to say never again? That was supposed to be the war to end all wars. That was a cruel joke. A few decades later, you have the Second World War, which was even more of a disaster. And in spite of the efforts of the League of Nations, which became the United Nations, we've still got wars and rumours of wars. Don't look to mankind. Mankind will never evolve to become better. 
Don't look at the church. I'm not condemning the world and patting the church on her back. Don't look at the church. Look at Christ if you want to know the love of God. Don't just look at Christ being born. That's going to condemn you even more because he is perfect. Don't look at the life of Jesus because none of us can ever follow his example. Simon Peter, when he first met Jesus, do you know what he said? Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Look to the cross. God commends his love, makes conspicuous his love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ, what? Died for us. And on that cross, he died that we might be forgiven. He died to make us good, that we might go at last to heaven, saved by his precious blood. You know what the blood is? I've been praying about the blood, praising the Lord about the blood. Why am I doing that? It sounds as if I'm wallowing in blood. <laughs> when you look at our hymns, so many of them talk about the blood. It's not wallowing in blood. The blood is the sacrifice. So when the blood was shed and the wine in the communion, as I'll be saying shortly, is a sign of the blood of Christ. You know what that is pointing to? It's pointing to the fact that Jesus Christ's death was sacrificial. He didn't just die to show how much he loved us. Something happened on the cross. He did something. He offered himself as a sacrifice. But he didn't sacrifice himself for his own needs. He didn't have to. He was perfect. He died that you might be forgiven. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You can go further. He did this for me. Do this in remembrance of me. This I do for you. Have you ever come to that place? This is where I want to end this part of my word this morning. Have you ever come to the place where you want to know if God loves you? How can God love a sinner like me? I'm condemned. How can God, a holy God, accept me? How can I be made right with him? How can I have a hope of heaven? How can I, when my death is announced, know that it will be well with me forever? Don't look inside of you. Don't look to the church. Look to Jesus Christ. Look to the cross. The symbol of Christianity is the cross. Rightly so. Those arms that were nailed to the cross are also open wide to invite you to come to him. As we heard in the wedding yesterday, free and easy. It's a good term, isn't it? Free and easy. Jesus said, come unto me, all that are burdened. Are you burdened with the load of sin? There is wonder-working power in the blood. Come to me. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy. My yoke is easy, free and easy. Come without, without money. Don't go into your pocket. Not that we have money these days, but don't try and find something you can offer God. Come empty-handed and take this free gift. God couldn't have given greater. Take this amazing gift of his Son, 
and take him into your hearts. For God so loved the world that he gave none other than his only begotten son for you, for me. Let me just end with a quotation from somebody called Scrivener. Many of us have been blessed by Scrivener's comments on the Bible. Look at Jesus with his arms wide open on the cross. He is given with every drop of his blood. That is God's gift to you. Look at the cross and say, my God has given his very best, even to me, the very worst, for his name's sake. Let's now sing together. The hymn is a very well-known hymn. It's one of the Heath hymns, Immortal Honours, Rest on Jesus' Head.
is a thing most wonderful, almost too wonderful to be, that God's own son should come from heaven and die to save a child like me. And we just want to praise the Lord that it's an, an amazing love because our hearts are so loveless. Uh, but the love that has come from the heart of the Father is measureless. Lord, we just praise thee. And may every one of us here come as sinners, as we are, and just embrace Jesus Christ and cast ourselves at thy feet and follow uh, thee. Uh, bless us and bless us now as we prepare ourselves for this uh, communion as well, that symbol of Calvary love uh, in Jesus' name. Amen.